Welcome to We're Talking. We have an opinion about everything, and it means absolutely nothing. Now, here are your hosts, the rocket surgeon and the brain scientist, but we're not sure who's who. Craig Malasa and Josh Jacno, they're talking. Welcome to We're Talking. Today from Montgomery, Alabama, I'm Craig Malasa, and with me today is Danny Reed from the Georgia Southern Sports Network, Voice of the Eagles. Welcome, Danny. Craig, I appreciate you having me on. I know you boys had one of these not too long ago. I know I was back at the hotel after a very long day, but I enjoy being here, getting everybody together since we didn't do this last year. It's been two years since we've had one of these, and I know we've still got more than half the week to go, but it's it's already been a really good time, and it's one that we've really enjoyed. I, uh, Montgomery seems like it's been a great host, and yes. I, I mean, it, we've, we've only been here a few days, but I know you got in a little bit earlier than me, and... Uh, had some time with Jay and, and Colin and, and Josh, uh, so it, it's been a it's a, been a beautiful area for us. And uh, what, what what's your thoughts about the downtown? I mean, I know you guys. Now, you, did you ever guys ever do the the bowl game in uh, Mobile also? Yes. Well, we played in the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl here in December of eighteen against Eastern Michigan. And we stayed at the hotel across the street. Right now, we're at the Renaissance, but we stayed at the Embassy. They're literally walking distance away, and that's the big plus of this entire setup: is that everything that you want to get to is a couple of blocks away. In fact, if we wanted to go rehash some old memories of the Crampton Bowl, it's a mile away. You've got Patterson Field right across the street where the Georgia Southern tailgate took place that night when the Eagles beat the Eagles on Tyler Bass's last second field goal. So we have a lot of really good memories here. But you can step out of your hotel wherever you're staying, and in two blocks you are at the field. That is a huge plus. And the fact that we didn't get to do it here last year because of COVID, makes this mean a little bit more. I'm kind of taking a little bit of a cue from the SEC. But the fact that we're here, we've been together, we've had really good baseball, we've had a lot of high-scoring games because the ball's been carrying, but the Biscuits have done a great job. City of Montgomery's done a great job. This is this has been a win so far, for sure. Yeah, I know I sound, I know we sound like a, uh, a commercial for the City of Montgomery and the Biscuits. Well, they I appreciate that. I, and I have no problem with it because they, they have been a great host. I love everything about it. The food around the food around the hotels, the walking distance, like you said, everything that we've done has been first class. Even the food here at the stadium is, it, itself has been delicious, at least in the hospitality area for us. It's been, I did have a hamburger, a cheeseburger down at the concession stands last night. Again, very, very good stuff. I'm sure people appreciate you admitting that. Well, you I know, know you've been trying to bounce back from surgery, and we're trying to get to a fully 100%. I'm not sure what you can and cannot eat, but that's, that's a good thing. Actually, there, there's not much I can eat. Uh, right now so doctor said whatever I can tolerate I should have asked Jay about that one first yeah <laughs> that's all right <laughs> yeah you know whatever he can to tolerate for me so he's gotta no. keep him awake well that's and and speaking of Jay where do you think he is right now huh? I've is, got my opinion it is just after three local I'm gonna guess he's trying to come to after his second nap of the day I, I agree I think he's right there he's got a game to call he'll be here by five o'clock at the latest uh, for those uh, that are first time tuning in or tuning have been the broadcast, uh, we're we're live in Montgomery. Like we said, we're at the Biscuits Ballpark. UTA and Arkansas State are playing right now. Any thoughts on this game before we go back to your game last night, which was a meaningful game? I've got a lot of good things to say about that, being from the Georgia Southern side of it. But for this particular game, the pitching matchup with Carlos Tavera from UTA, a lot of people think that he should have been the pitcher of the year. I know a lot of Cajun people think that it should have been Connor Cook. It ultimately, it goes 
to Little Rock's Hayden Arnold, and now they're out of the tournament after their two games for Arkansas State. It's Brandon Hudson, who since he has stepped into the rotation has been really good. He shut down Georgia Southern just to run over seven innings a couple of weeks ago out in Jonesboro. The thing that could hurt him is the fact that he's a fly ball guy. And the ball has really been carrying here this week, especially to left and left center. So if he gets into trouble, that's something that could hamper Arkansas State's chance to win the pool. This is for the pool. Yes. Because Arkansas State upset Troy on day one. That means Troy can't win this pool. Arlington playing its first game. This is day three, but this is their first official game. They win this game. They win the pool. Then they play a meaningless game tomorrow to wrap up the pool. That's part of them having to play four games in four days. If you're asking about a matchup favorite, it's probably got to be Arlington with Tavera. He led the league in strikeouts. I think it's the most strikeouts by a, a Maverick in more than 10 years. I think he could set the school record this game that things fall right. He's really good at keeping the ball down. He uses four pitches. A bounce back guy who was with the Mavericks in 18 before going back to Weatherford College in Texas. But since he's come back here, he has been outstanding and he has been one of the best number one guys in this league this year, despite having a losing record because the Mavericks have had trouble scoring for him because most of the time it's one on one and the Mavs have had difficulties to start series getting runs against the opposing guys, number one. But I, I suspect this is going to be a really good game. But if there is a slight favorite, I think you got to give it to the Mavericks. Well, you, you talked about the wind blowing out. I, just a second ago, was blowing in from left field. For those that don't know, it's 314 down the uh, left field line, 395 to the to, to the alley in left field, and 400 to dead center, 373 down the uh, right field alley, and then 333, which happens to be the the uh, prefix for the injury attorney here. Which so. is a really nice touch, by the way. It is. It's something you know you don't think about those things, but. It's the little things that they did around the ballpark. To me, the keeping of the, the older buildings, the, yeah. the train stations, the train tracks are right by here. And uh, I will say before this is over at some point, we're going to hear a train come by. So, Oh, doing this, absolutely. Yes. You may hear it within the next couple of minutes. But the fact this was at one time a Confederate prison. Yep. Within the last 150 years, they kept the train station, be able to build that into the ballpark. We incorporated the suites in the upper level. You got the press box right behind home plate, can seat up to 7,000 people. This is the AA affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays. And even though it's a park that was built in 2004, it feels newer than that. And it's right in the middle of a place like Montgomery that has so much history tied into it. A lot of brick buildings, a lot of tall buildings, but everything is so close together. So if you want to see and feel history, you take a couple of steps one way or the other, you get a chance to read a historic marker about something that happened here. It makes it a cooler experience, and you can toss some baseball in and make it that much better. The, the whole thing with Montgomery is kind of like me. You know, it, 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 Obviously, I know uh, that New Orleans is not the state capital, but for those that, that, that live outside of the, the state, maybe uh, out of town, you know, don't know that Baton Rouge is the state capital. Same thing here. You wouldn't – I – Assumed, I'm, I'm not going to assume anything, but you know, you would think Mobile or Birmingham or someplace like that. But Gumbers the state capital. I don't know why. The I funny didn't. thing that I'll tell you about that: when I was in grade school, we had to learn all the state capitals, and Alabama is the first state alphabetically. So that automatically says that you are going to remember Montgomery over every other state capital. So you did it right. I was probably a very bad student, and that might have been 175 years ago. No, it just got stamped onto my brain where Alabama, Montgomery, and then you move on. I don't know what's next. Probably Alaska. Being next but actually i guess alaska would be the 
second state, so you go to Juneau, but I'm not going to oh, name all okay. 50. I'm not going to name all 50 state okay. capitals. We're not going to do well, that. We're going to. We might have to do that later on. No. We are not going to do that this edition because you are going to lose listeners fast if we do that. No, but uh, so it's Juneau. That's right. I, I for some reason again I thought Anchorage. I'm not very good. Yeah, they and, offer cruises up to Alaska. And it's supposed to be really beautiful. And there's our first home run. Yep. See ya, Josh Benhars. That was a shot. That was a beautiful you know, two-run shot. For UTA, and uh, they take an early 2-0 lead here in the bottom of the first. I'm getting some play-by-play -play in, too, here. I, I just look at you guys on Learfield. I'm coming after you guys. What makes it special for Minhara is especially he's a sixth-year senior, and it's yes. all been with the Mavericks. He's not a transfer. UTA is typically a transfer-heavy team. Minhara's has been here since 2016. He missed almost all of 17 due to a broken ankle, but he has the school record for games played. For the Mavs, he's also top five in total bases and hits, and that ball to left was hit a long way to Very get them on the way. board. I'm not saying that was – I don't know. I, I'm going to have to take a walk down by the train track to see actually how much room is in between uh, the fence and the, and the trees back there. I, I imagine it's further than I think it is because yesterday's home run in, in your game – one of the guys, they said it was 400. And yeah, we were told Stephen Curry's home run in the second inning went 402 feet, which for Curry, that seems very odd because if he hits a home run, it's a wall scraper, and that's about as good as it gets. But maybe it's his final tournament. It's his fifth year. He's trying to will his team to a chance to play for another championship. Maybe he had that little bit extra. Maybe he found some more strength and got it into the trees. Who knows? Well, there's another shot. Oh. I'm sorry for the listeners. Uh, if we're pausing, we're we're, at, we're watching baseball and talking. This is this could not be more of a, a a great thing for me. I love this. So, as you were talking, you were talking about the wind blowing out, and I was watching the American flag. The wind was blowing in from left field, and as soon as he hit that home run, which I don't think was wind aided, I think he just crushed it. Well, yeah. it, it goes back to the idea about Hudson. He's a fly ball pitcher. He can get away with that at Tomlinson Stadium where it is a graveyard. The ball does not carry to the gaps whatsoever. Georgia Southern saw that during their series out there a couple of weeks ago where they dropped two out of three. Minhara's, they hit that right down the line. It was going to be out just about every ballpark. Connor Obi just doubled to right center field. He got the barrel to that. And now another shot from Dylan Paul that carries off the wall and right, making for a 3 nothing lead. And Paul's going to be safe at second, sliding with a double. This is trouble for Hudson because if he is staying up in the zone, the park is short enough down the lines and the ball carries enough where he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, the thing for me with all this is that uh, it's the, the odd angles all around. In left field, you've got a video board that jolts out that you can bounce off of. That's right. You've got this in the, in the gap uh, in three, at 395 in the gap, and you've got that funky wall. Yeah. And then right field where, where the ball was just hit, it comes back out in the field uh, 10, 15 feet or 12 feet, well, whatever it is. From According to Troy Voice, Barry McKnight, who calls a couple of games here per year, Troy has several midweek games. They played Alabama State here. They played a couple of games here over the course of their season. That wall snakes in about 10 feet. So okay. what he says, where the bend is of the U.S. food sign, that's yep. about 320. So you can steal a home run if you want to be a righty with good oppo power or if you're a lefty that can swing you're definitely going to hit one out and you've got the flags of every sunbelt team just beyond the fence you've got the flagpole beyond that you've got the trees beyond that and those are the trees that ethan wilson of south alabama hit one over yesterday they Absolutely went and estimated crushed it. yeah they said estimated 495 
115 miles per hour off the bat. They said it was the longest home run that's ever been hit here. I didn't see it live. I was walking over to the ballpark while it happened, but I'm not going to doubt that that was the longest ball that's ever been hit here. Well, we see where the U.S. food truck is, that we've seen balls hit there and bounce either right or left and, and, and giving outfielders fit. So, uh, But lots of, lots of play here in the stadium. It's. It, I think it's been fun to watch, and uh, at times maybe uh, a little aggravating for the players, though. Well, it depends on what side you're on. And well, that's true too. Well, it's it's the gift and the curse. This is uh, becoming quickly a three nothing game, and quickly becoming what we might see a blowout, and it would not hurt. For there we go. Oh, right at him. Took about three steps to to his left, and. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing about it, this, this right here, it would not bother me if it was 10-0 in the 7 or 13-3, whatever it may be, and this game got over a little quick. quick. I, what I don't want well, is... That's because you follow this. You've got an Appalachian State team that you've got to face that is for your pool, for Pool C. You win. You face Georgia Southern on Saturday. App wins. They face Georgia Southern on Saturday in the semifinals since the Eagles beat Georgia State yesterday 10-1 yes. to one to end their season. Well, the, you know, the, the thing, and I don't know if it... it I'm not sure if I'm a firm believer either way if the if the rest is going to help out Alabama uh, Appalachian State or if it uh, helps the Cajuns to play back to back days. You know, keeping Different in strokes. It's, it's it just depends on what kind of team you are. It, I I think it, to me I think in my opinion it's going to help because you're used to that weekend series. Yeah. I'm glad we had that that day. If we if we should win tonight. I'm glad we had that day off on Friday before we start playing the uh, bracket play. Truthfully, I think when you talk about teams and when they play, where they play, how they play, that's more mental than it is physical. I agree. You've, you're 60 games in almost now. Physically, you've just got to find a way to be tip-top. But mentally, you've always got to be to a point where you're going to be at your best. And that's what's going to get you to Saturday, to Sunday, and a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. Ultimately, that's the goal for anybody because there's not going to be any at-larges this year. Nobody in the league at this point has more than 32 wins. That's what Georgia Southern has. I know the Cajuns hot on their heels. And I also know that South Alabama won earlier today against Little Rock in a game that didn't mean anything. But they finished pool play 2-0. and They're going to be in the semis on the other side. And they're going to get either Arlington or Arc State in that matchup on Saturday to see who goes to the championship game. Well, the thing it scares me about South Alabama right now. It seems like their bats have woken up. I mean, the last two games. They've been hitting for a while, but they were so bad offensively for about two months that they're still trying to play catch-up. Yeah. But they've got the preseason player of the year, Ethan Wilson. Michael Sandel had an outstanding season. Caleb De La Torre is better than his numbers show. Hunter Stokes is somebody that's been around for five years. He's got all that experience, part of a championship team in 2017. They've got guys that know how to win. Mark Calvey was coach of the year this year. He knows how to move the parts around and pick up victories. South Alabama is the most successful tournament team in this league, even more so than the Cajuns, more so because they've been in the league longer than yes. Louisiana. But those two oftentimes go head to head. But when it comes to tournament play, South Alabama is the torchbearer for this league. Well, I don't know if you know this, little fact here that I'm about to drop some knowledge on you here. Probably you, not. You know that uh, that Louisiana has never won a Sunbelt Conference championship, tournament championship in the state of Louisiana. We have never won at the T. We, uh, I don't know. I think UNO was in the league for a while with us in That's the right. Sunbelt. We have never won. We have four championships. Uh, one at Texas State. Three of them in the state of Alabama. So when they announced Montgomery, that. Alabama is a as the host site for the tournament for five years, I think we're going to come away with at least two tournament titles in those five years. I know for a time it was rotating sites, but it seemed that Mobile and Eddie Stanky Field a lot of times 
was the site because it is equipped for it. Yes. They've got great facilities. It's one of the premier facilities baseball-wise in this league, so you can understand that. But I think the idea of going to a neutral site makes it as fair as can be because you know there's going to be certain teams that never get to host a tournament. They're going to feel, well, we've got to go to somewhere every couple of years. And maybe it's not as fair as it could be, but Montgomery, Troy is the closest at about 40, 45 minutes away. They're done now, even though they got to play a meaningless game tomorrow. But I, I like the fact that everybody can play on the same level playing field. Well, the thing I like about it also, and I did this research when it was announced, Montgomery, Alabama is actually the uh, the the center of the Sun Belt. So I would. I believe it. If I didn't know it, if, I believe if it. If everybody is driving in, driving wise, uh, it's 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 not equal for everyone because no matter where you go, Texas State is going to have to go a long way unless they're playing at Texas State, which yeah. they hosted a few years back, where is one of our Sun Belt titles. <laughs> but UTA is not going to host. They don't have the facilities to host. Arkansas State is not going to host. Uh, Arkansas State, even if they had a great program, couldn't even host an NCAA regional because their field is not, the backstop is not regulation. It's not, it's too close to the field. You know, I've heard about, I'm going to a little bit of basketball right. here, but I've I've heard Matt Stoltz of Arkansas State, and I've heard Jay talk about when the tournament was in Hot Springs yes. for a couple of years, and about how it was at the convention center, and they talked about that setup. So it would be tough to think about another location where everybody can get to reasonably, but when you've got the Texas schools in there ge geographically, it, it's going to be a haul for them regardless, unless you have it in Texas, but then everybody else is having to fly what, out there pretty much. What was your drive? From Statesboro yeah. to get to here about five hours. All right, and, we're, and, and we're right at six for us. So, again, and ULM and is, is a little similar. And uh, UTA shoots across on 20. So uh, if you can make everybody go at least a little bit, look for Troy. There's not a whole lot of way around. If it's 45 minutes, it's 45 minutes south now. It's not a terribly long drive for them. They didn't get here until the night before their first game. They changed their travel plans late initially. They were going to come right from Boone. They just played App State to end the regular season. They were going to come right here. Right. But they decided to get back to Mobile. I think they practiced for a day before getting here. So maybe that gives them a little bit of advantage. I have no idea. But everybody's got to figure a way to make it work for their advantage. You got to play at the plate. And, oh! The big man gets under the tag. Talk to me. You know, you know who the player is. Anthony Dominguez with yes. some fleet feet to get in there from third, and the Mavericks are now five to nothing he in the bottom hit, of the first. He hit a triple against us in one of our games, I believe. And I'm going, how is – I mean, what are we doing? Do we have a club footer in right field or left field? Oh. I don't know how he made the triple. Okay, Georgia Southern's Noah Ledford has two triples this year, and he goes about 250 as well. He also stole a base against Georgia State. That's the second time he had stolen a base in his career. Even so – We'll give him guff about it because it was one of those where he was just kind of yeah. mosing off. There were two outs. He was just kind of mosing off first base to see if they would throw at him. So he takes the base. They don't throw at him. That's just foul. Otherwise, it would be 7 8 nothing. But that's just a foul ball from Montgomery. And they batted around. That's the 10th batter of the yeah. inning. And anybody that knows me knows that I was ducky because I thought the ball was coming but, at us. But the point is, don't shortchange the stout oh, guys no, because no. they're going to have they're going to find a way to make it happen on the baseball. I may not be short and fat, but I'm fat, okay. And I know right now that I, I'm not going to run around. The, the first bases. step is admitting that you have a problem. I, I do have a problem. I, I I love bourbon. I love beer. I love food. You've been tearing through and those banana cream pies all week. I know, but I I'm not today. I, I oh my goodness. So they have batted around now, and here comes run number six and seven in, I believe. Or is it just six? All right. I was a little ahead of myself. Yeah, this is this is about 
the last thing that Tommy Raffa wanted. He's already made one visit this inning. If he goes out again, he's got to make a change. Arkansas State does have activity, and outside of Jumper and Colin Stone, they don't have a bullpen. So if Hudson has to come out, you just wonder if they would have to go to the guy that would start tomorrow's game if they would get there, and Will Nash. He's been really good in their rotation. Well, if you don't I, win I the don't game, know. you don't get there tomorrow. That, so. That's my point. If, if you're Tommy Raffa, you're thinking, okay, you're down 6 nothing in the first inning. You can't worry about a game that may not happen. So you may have to go to a guy like Nash to come in for Hudson, who just can't get anybody out, it seems. This is the 11th batter of the inning now, and Menhars has already homered. And we, we've been talking for about 20 minutes now, and uh, really? we started at the, at, at the top of the inning, wow. at the beginning of the game. I think we had one restart because uh, it wasn't recording properly. Technical error. Yes, which I, I will not admit, but... I think we're getting better with the sound, so thank you for sticking with us for those that have. This has been fun. This has been exciting. And uh, Danny and I are going to be here for a while, but I think what we're going to do right now, well, we're going to wait till the inning, and then we'll take a, a quick break well, and maybe. How about this? He's going to make a change. Oh, my goodness. Why don't, why don't, we, why don't we catch our breaths, and then yes. we'll see if the inning ends. Uh, you're listening to We're Talking with uh, Craig Malonso and Danny Reed right now. Josh Jagno will be with us tonight for the Cajun game, and I'm sure Josh and I will sit down and give our uh, assessment of what's happened so far. So again, thank you for tuning in right now. Welcome back to We're Talking. We're live in Montgomery. Well, I guess by the time you listen to this, we won't be live. I mean, I'm hoping we're still alive. But we are in Montgomery. We are in Montgomery. We in Montgomery. We're watching uh, UTA and Arc State right now. Uh, uh, Arc State uh, brought in a new pitcher and got, was able to get out of the inning without any more damage. But there was a lot of damage done. What, what, is, what do you – I mean, obviously – the winner moves on, but if, if you don't win today, you don't move on. So they've got to bring in. Look, yeah, they had to bring in Will Nash, a guy that was going to start for them if they got to the semifinals. But since Hudson only got two outs, they had to go to their next starter. If, if you're Arlington in this situation, you've got a six-run lead after one inning, and you've got one of the best pitchers in the league, finally with run support. We just talked about that. He only is 2-4 and four this year because he didn't get any run support. He has six runs the first inning, which he has not had at any point all season. And you have him with the baseball with some confidence, knowing that his offense has his back. If you're the Mavericks, you can't be in a better situation. Here. All right. Take your radio hat off. Put your uh, your coaching hat on. All do right. you? How long do you leave him in? Do you try to save him for some uh, No, it depends on how big the lead gets. Because six, six right now is not safe with the way Arkansas State can swing it. He's good, but Arc State's a couple swings away from making this a three-run game. Uh, right. And and that's what I'm looking at, too, in my, my mind. But if you're Arc State and you're able to get those runs back and you're able to come in, your starter today could come back on Saturday or Sunday. Potentially. But if you don't win this game, it doesn't right, matter. Right, right, right. I'm just saying if. And if was a fifth, we could all get drunk. Or if was <laughs> a skiff, we could take a boat ride. I've never heard of either of those. Well. But that's what Arlington head coach Darren Thomas and Tommy Raffo, head coach Arc State, are having to deal with with a lot of ball left. And it's not as if Arc State has to do what Arlington just did and score six runs right away. No. You can do what Troy did against Arc State couple days ago and just chip 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 away get it back to 6-6 in the eighth inning even though Arc State got the three in the ninth to win it there's 27 outs that somebody needs to get unless this is a run rule game I know Tavera's on the mound but for a guy like Hudson who's had success it's proven that if you miss spots that barrels can find baseballs and how quickly the ball can carry here uh, you're, you're listening to we're talking with Craig Malonso and Danny Reed voice of the uh Georgia Southern Eagles, uh, and we may just have to change this podcast name to Dropping Knowledge because I've been I've been just dropping stuff on you all 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 time. You What's know? your podcast? You better be the one. 
But no, uh, and again, all right, so so walks the first batter. Oh, not, he hit him. Oh, he hit him? Yeah. Okay. He was angry. He hit him. Well, I, I really think, and, and here's where UTA, I think, has the advantage. We talked about they, they play four days straight. If, by chance, they should run rule him, and he can go seven all seven innings and save their bullpen. Well, you're not going to see Tavera after today. You're not going to see him the rest of the week. Right. That's Unless, for some reason, they would get to Sunday, maybe you can go back to him for an inning. But outside of what he does today, because they have to go four straight days, you're not going to see him for the rest of the weekend so 99 times out So you're going to ride him until the end, no matter what. I, I think I ride as long him. As, and, he, as long as he can go. But yeah. if Jalen DeShazer hits one out, it's a four-run game, and yep. you're still in the second inning. Well, He didn't hit it out. No. Now let's see. We, we saw some trouble with the Sun earlier today on a play. Uh, but the, 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 the runner did what he was supposed to do or what his coach to do to continue running to second. But then when they dropped the ball, he was they were able to tag him out easily. And it's so. even weirder when you've got a game like that with South and Little Rock, the game that doesn't matter. Right. And Little Rock, of course, they're trying to win the game because they want to end on a good note. But if Nathan Lyons is the guy that hit the ball. It was dropped at first. He rounds it thinking that he's going to be out anyway on a catch. Well, he ends up getting caught in no man's land, ends up being thrown to second. He's out by a mile anyway. So it was just, it was just a weird spot. I know we're not uh, fashion guys. I mean, obviously, we're sitting here in. in Radio in, guys are not fashion yeah. guys. TV guys are fashion yeah. guys. But what do you think of the uniforms? Talk to me. I love Arlington's whites. Granted, I didn't see those when they came to Statesboro last week, and they wore their grays all weekend as the visiting team, but I've always loved the color combination. Sorry, we're silent because there's a long, a ball that went about probably, I would say. Almost 400 feet. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I love the, I love both teams. I love that, that, that Arkansas State's wearing the road grays. It's and a we classic got look. Yes. One team should be white, one team should be gray. The only one that we had that really, well, two teams, and one of them being the Cajuns last night with their black, with their gray pants, but the, uh, the mustard yellow for ULM. And we're not even going to go there right now because... Well, don't. It's collegiate gold. It's not mustard. They're not Wyoming. So if you want to know the history behind that, that goes back to their days that they were part of the LSU system. And they had their gold and their their maroon was um, close enough to purple. So just like the Texas schools that had all of the... Uh, every one of them, UT uh, El Paso has orange yeah, in there. Correct. So... Uh, I. But th this is classic look for baseball. This is this is uh, this is the way the game's supposed to be played. Uh, I wish, which I am not going to complain about. And okay, uh, I'm just looking around. I wish they all had the same color cleats, but at least it's not like yesterday's game that some guy that had orange cleats on out there that wasn't his school's colors. But uh, uh, UT Austin, right? Uh, UT Austin. Right. UT now you're being a grumpy old man. Yeah. Oh, I am. If it was up to me, you would have the pants up and you'd have the stirrups. You'd have the Jim Palmer look. All right, then you would like Colin Stone, who pitched for Arkansas State the other day, their yeah. closer. He's got the stirrups. And who's Now, it? he probably won't pitch today unless it changes pretty dramatically for Ark State, but you never know. UTA's pitcher's got, got the stirrups, but he's got his pants about halfway down. So. There's the tweeners. Yes. But, oh, oh, let's talk about... Uh, was it App State's the guy that had his uh, pants up above his knees? Did you not see that? The, the shortstop? I, I wasn't here live for that game. One of the most disgusting looks I've ever seen in baseball. Well, that's not very nice. Look. And he's got holes in his stockings. 
Danny's looking at a picture for those that are listening on the radio. Those for those that, ha that are watching on TV, you can see the camera now. Those look like extremely old school baseball pants, the extremely wool baggy that weigh about 15 pounds. But the thing that bugged me, it's not that they were above the knees, it's that he is always playing with them, whether he's in the batter's box or whether he's at shortstop. I don't, I don't remember me. that when they were in Statesboro, but it, it could have been. Watch tonight, and now all you're going to see tonight when the Cajuns are playing is this guy playing with his pants. One of those things, once you see it, you can't unsee yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, okay. and you're all just right. going to go, my God, he, you know. All right. And this doesn't happen, but you're going to say, Craig was right. This doesn't happen often, but you're going to say it this time. There are certain things I will go to you when I know you're going to be right. There are not many things, but there are some <laughs> things where I will go to you because I know you're right. Well, so – we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, Georgia Southern's game yesterday. It was fun. It was fun to watch. Good time. Um, you uh, beat uh, that team that's north of you, Georgia State. Yeah. Which uh, kind of, I've made no bones about it on here that I am not a Georgia State fan. I'm, it's Southern, not State for me. I appreciate that. And uh, I we am, appreciate that. And uh, mainly because of Ron Hunter. But talk about your game yesterday. I mean, I know you guys were you were playing for something yesterday, and your game tomorrow is not playing for anything. That's the that's the gift and the curse we were talking about with pool play earlier. Because if you're the top seed in your pool, you know that one of your games is not going to mean anything. And from a team standpoint, it's do you want it to be the first game that clinches the pool and the second game that means nothing, which is what the Eagles are going to have tomorrow night against ULM, or do you want it like the Cajuns have where you play your quote-unquote warm-up game against Texas State and have to play app tonight to win your pool and potentially match up against the Eagles on Saturday to go to the championship. And it's the kind of team that you have. If you want that warm-up, you want to give guys at-bats before you go and do it live, then there are some benefits to that. But in Georgia Southern's case, I think it really served them well. Number one, the fact that that first game was the elimination game where you've got to win to win the pool. Otherwise, neither team would have cared about the ULM game, which is going to play place tomorrow night to conclude pool play. But the fact that it was against Georgia State and the fact that Georgia State won two of three from the Eagles in Panthersville to start April and it sent Georgia Southern to a 500 record, these guys were ready for that on a number of fronts. Now, after that, they left 13-13, and 13, beat Georgia the next Tuesday, won their next eight games, 14 of 17. They were the hottest team in the league. Yes. Tapered off a little bit, having lost the series at Arc State, at Elon, dropping a midweek game at Mercer, but were able to take two of three against Arlington. You're welcome for getting you the number one seed in the West. And you're welcome for us getting you the number two seed we in see, the East. We helped each other. Exactly. We're friends. Friends help each other. The fact that even the, and they do it from behind is that it's very well to left center in the field. gap. Oh my goodness! Great play catch. by the center fielder. I mean, he got on Great his horse. The the whole part though, getting behind one nothing after a home run by a guy that had one homer all year in Georgia State's catcher Blaine Marchman. And Tyler Owens had really struggled, especially giving up home runs. We talked about fly ball guys don't typically work well in this ballpark because of the way that it carries. He didn't give up anything after that. Nobody did. That was the only run that State got in the second inning. Stephen Curry comes up, three-run homer in the second, three more runs in the third, tack on a couple of extra runs in the eighth inning, and you beat the team that you hate probably anybody else in the league 10-1 to one, to clinch the pool. Now you can use Friday, number one, as a tune-up, but two, use a lot of pitchers, a lot of batters. Because think about this. In the case of Georgia Southern, whoever they're going to play in the semis on Saturday, maybe an at-bat or two that those guys Cajuns. are going to get. May, possibly. <laughs> Hopefully. We would enjoy that. But from that standpoint, a couple of at-bats that those guys are going to get tomorrow, 
maybe you need that to give them confidence because you might need them on Saturday. You might need somebody to come up in the eighth inning to drop a bunt down or get a hit with the bases loaded, pinch run, come in to pitch for you. The, the art of how to work a pitching staff and pull play is something that nobody's had to deal with. Yes. But that's, that's different for everybody, and that's been a fascinating thing to watch so far. You know, you, I, I said it publicly on, on, on this that I thought even after the Arch State Series that even though you guys dropped that one, I thought you were still the best team in the league. And I might have, against Elyon, I might have uh, drifted a little bit from that. Uh, and maybe it was wishful thinking, but I still kind of think you're there in the way you guys played against Georgia State, a team in, in a meaningful game. But Jay has brought this up on previous editions of the podcast, and I've really appreciated it, is that this team with the seniors that came back, they wanted another chance to play for something they've been a part of a couple times already. In yes. the case of Matt Anderson, who is a 60-year senior, he has been in three championship games. He's lost them all. In the case of somebody like Stephen Curry, oh. Mason McWhorter, Jacob Parker, they've been a part of championship loss in 17 and 19. And then over half the roster was part of that 19 game. So to keep most of the moving parts together to make one more run at it and trying to be at their best at this time of the year to take home hardware instead of being heartbroken. Now, you got to get to Sunday first. We all realize that. Yeah. But there's more than enough experience for those guys that they know what they need to do at a certain point to get back to that point. And that's going to be beneficial for you, I think, for you guys moving forward. So Andrew Miller just hit a, uh, a little I won't say it a blooper, but he hit one. Uh, Look, he's been doing that a lot lately. He's been the best hitter in the league for about two months. He's but the, been almost 400 for two months. He's been awesome. He should have stopped at first, but the uh, the fielder did not make a very good play and kind of lollygagged a little bit and just kind of tossed the ball in, in into the second baseman. He was able to get to second base. He was able to turn into a double. Look, I know that. Oh, that's a shot. Oh. Well, right to right, though. That's the inning. Mace McCorder, one player of the year, led the league in batting average, so he collectively from beginning to end was the best hitter in the league. Christian Avey ended up second in the league in batting average, but the two hottest guys in the league for about two months now, it's been Andrew Miller of Arlington, and it's been Grant Schultz of ULM. I think he's been up over 450 over the last six to seven weeks. Somebody that didn't play that series when they were in Statesboro, he had been benched, but since he has come back, he became a second-team all-conference guy because he refused to go back to the bench, and that's somebody that the Eagles are going to have to deal with tomorrow. I know it's in a game that doesn't matter. Yeah, but still. But ULM's full of a bunch of guys that are extremely scrappy, extremely tough, and the Eagles were lucky to take that series. I know they swept them, but Arlington or ULM could have easily won at least two of those games. Well, ULM, and I've said this publicly too, I mean, uh, in, in conversations with Jay uh, and, and on the air that I really felt like when ULM came to us, Jay's like, you know, that's not your... Your, your mama's ULM. I said, no, well. These are not Bruce Petty's Warhawks. But, you know, at They're the same not. time, I was like, until they show us something. I mean, the Cajuns had won 27 of 28 or 33 of 34, whatever. And from the perspective of right. your rivalry, it's yeah. been extremely one-sided. I know they took that midweek game that kind of got them off on the right foot. But, you know, but that's what I was going to say. They scared me when they came into that game. They didn't scare me on the, on the, the, the three games that we swept from them. But since that time, uh, they've shown some grit and toughness that – I like in a baseball team, and they've got a good coach now, I believe. Yeah, Mike Federico is 
the right guy for that job now in year four. And it's it's a different team because a couple of years ago they had guys like Tinglestad and Hall that, or I'm sorry, Bell, that could really hit the ball out of the bar. Bell set the ULM single season record for homers, but both got drafted. Now they're a team that's full of doubles and triples hitting guys. They bunt, they run, they are always in games. I don't care what the score is. They are in every game they play. They patch their pitching together. They grind their way through everything, and that's a team that has garnered a lot of respect because of the way that they play. They never give anything up, and they never take anything for granted. So let's go back to your Georgia State game. Okay. Uh, just, just from the perspective of um, – let me do that again. I'm sorry. I was trying to play with the set settings, and I'll change it next How does Craig time. change the world? He pushes buttons. No, but – yeah. <laughs> so I was listening to you and Colin, who I think do an excellent job on the broadcast, and you, you both kind of fell in love with Georgia State's coach there. I mean, I was like, I mean, you guys want to go out with him, or what's going on there? So talk to me, because as okay. your bitter rival, I, I know – I, I know the story, but for those that are listening, okay. let's talk. From a fan standpoint, nobody from Georgia Southern should ever have any good feelings towards anything from Georgia State. That's just, that's just kind of how that is. But we do have a prior relationship with Coach Stromdahl. Collins worked with him for a number of years when he was at Georgia Gwinnett, when he built that program from the ground up after he was an assistant for Georgia State before going there. Had 50 wins four times, went to the went to the College World Series. He is an extremely bright baseball mind, a really good baseball coach. It was lock stock that he was going to be the next guy after Greg Frady did not get brought back to Panthersville. Yeah. And somebody that he does things very unconventionally. Sometimes he will make moves that you're questioning, but it's all part of this grand formula. He scheduled out of his mind this year, number one, to make a little dough, but two, to get his team ready for an experience like this. And guess what? They were one win away from going to the semifinals as the sixth seed. So yeah. it almost worked. Their overall record stinks, but they ended up 500 in conference play because all those experiences against the P5 teams, the Vanderbilt, the Clemsons, the Georges, Tennessee's, everybody they played got them ready for conference play, and they almost pulled it off. Now, thankfully, Georgia Southern was at their best yesterday to win 10-1, to but Georgia State's not going to be a doormat in this league anymore. I know everybody wants it to stay that way because you always want that team to yeah. be kind of knocked down and pick up a couple of cheap wins against. It's not going to be that way. Strombell's too good of a coach. Well, I think you and I, or Danny and I, or both of you, we talked about their early season schedule and, and wondering if it was going to help them this year get them ready for a conference tournament or if it would help them in the future. And I think uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of both. It's, it's going to be doubly effective for them. Now, granted, next year they still might be a team that ends up under 500 right. or whatever, depending on what kind of schedule he puts together. But you can't tell me that that team is not going to be prepared for whatever they have to face in 22. Well, the only thing that I was wondering about, if, if, if because of that play and being beaten, now they were very competitive in a lot of, a lot of games. Oh, yeah. Uh, but being beaten so many times, would that break them for the year, too? No, because I think they understood that they were playing a lot of teams that were above their weight class, and if they picked off some wins, good. But in the end, they weren't expected to win those games, even though they may have thought they could have. At the end of the day, eventually you figure out what it takes to win at that kind of level, and you can take that experience, take two of three from a Georgia Southern, take two of three from a Troy, sweep Texas State on the road. They haven't swept a road series in six years. Before they went to San Marcos, they dominated those three games. And and that was amazing to me. That was a shock. I think it shocked everybody. Because, that's, that's the point. All of that got them ready for that. Because we had just been beaten by Texas State, I think, at, at, at home. And that, that's something that really confused me because Texas State has one of the most gifted offensive lineups in the league. Jackson Williams was the first-team all-conference guy two years ago. I know that Will 
Hollis has struggled this year. John Wuthridge was out for a number of games because of an injury. But when that lineup is together, they can hit. Zach Lee turned into a pretty solid guy as a number one. I know he's not something that you would look at as a typical number one. Did what he could. He was really good against App State in their first tournament game, but they lost one nothing. He did exactly what he needed to do, but Texas State couldn't score. And that's what was so confusing about a team that was probably supposed to win the West, but for whatever reason, they flatlined this year. And, and I'm sorry that we're jumping around so much because I, I'm pretty sure I have ADD or HADD or HDD or and I'm not trying to make fun of it by any means because I know there are lots of people, and I, I, I do believe I have some form. But uh, let's go back a little bit. We, we were talking about the coach for Georgia State and all that, and you guys brought it up on, on the uh, broadcast also, uh, a word that's been thrown around a lot lately in, in, in college athletics, but a, a lot since Billy Napier has come to Louisiana, the culture of Georgia State and yeah. how, how it's changed. Yeah, they didn't have one. They, they didn't have one for a number of years. Look. They were not in a good situation. There's been a couple teams in the league that have had games called off up there because they refused to tarp the field, and I'll be very honest about that. Yes. It happened to Georgia Southern in 2019 when they could have clinched the East without having to play a doubleheader the next day. They ended up winning the division anyway, so it's fine. Ended up splitting that doubleheader. It happened to ULM a number of years ago where they refused to tarp the field, and that's the kind of culture that was built there, and it was unfortunate. But that's not the kind of thing that is going to exist now that Brad Strombaugh is there. They're on the verge of getting their new facility facility just outside of Turner Field. It's going to occupy that vacant parking lot. That's going to become the issue in this league baseball-wise. I'm not saying that they're going to ascend to what a Coastal has become winning a national championship where Louisiana is to a degree, where Georgia Southern is, where South Alabama is, but they're not going to be at the bottom of this league for much longer. But you have to believe, though, that, I mean, the, the field, I, I, I don't want to say is even a high school field because I don't want to incite, insult high school fields. It's, just not, it's not good. It's not good it's not where they are. But you have to believe a new stadium, and I believe the wall is going to be built, uh, the outfield wall will be part of the wall where Hank Aaron hit his 714th home run. Yeah. Well, and, right now, the parking right. lot of what used to be Fulton County, they've got that outline so you can go to the literal yep. spot where that happened. But, I mean, I believe with all that and the, just the, the sheer number of people within the, uh, the surrounding the greater metroplex of uh, Atlanta, it's got to be something you should be able to recruit to, you look, would think. Look, trust me, it pains me to say that, that Georgia State is not going to be bad for much longer, but the fact that there is so much talent in Atlanta, in the greater Atlanta metro area, you've got some of the top programs in the country that are up there. Parkview is an outstanding program. They've been national champions multiple times over the years. Jeff Kevinger played there. Jeff Rancor played there. I know Topple like that. Yep. That's a big Braves fan. But that's just not a program that is going to be down for very long because I think Strombaugh understands where he needs to pull from kind of team that he needs to build and it's going to threaten programs like Georgia Southern that have been so good for so long that you can't look at Georgia State anymore and think okay two of three sweep even though Georgia Southern went up there and lost two out of three right. earlier this year that's what they're capable of doing if they can get all the pieces clicking at the right time so how did they get a guy was it Gaddis a couple years ago that was a pitcher I'm, I think that he had some football interest, too. I think okay. that the only other – I hope I'm getting this right. I think the only other offer he had out of high school was Reinhardt. Okay. And that's that's a Division II school. I did notice the other night – well, this was uh, – I, I think Colin and I might have talked about it, but there was a Sunbelt matchup in minor league baseball with him and, and a pitcher from Georgia Southern. Seth Schumann. Seth Schumann got the win. And that was the uh, – the, was that the Lugnuts? Lansing the, Lugnuts against the Lake County Capitals. Yes. 
Uh, see, I, I want to talk baseball. We, we took a lot of pride in that. Yeah. So, but I mean, and he was a top three round draft choice? Gaddis went in the third, Schumann went in the sixth, and we knew after 2019, the kind of year that Seth Schumann had, we weren't going to get him back right. for 2020, but we're more than happy for him. He's an outstanding player, outstanding person, and whatever success he has professionally, he's going to earn it. We played two and a half here in Montgomery, and uh, UTA's up 6 nothing. They're coming to bat. We're going to take another break, uh, and you're listening to We're Talking with Craig Melanson and Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. I think I might need to say that instead of uh, uh, work, uh, Georgia Southern Sports Network, so that might be easier for me. Whatever helps you. So we'll be back shortly. We're back with We're Talking, and unfortunately, we just missed the uh, train. Although, I, well, the horn's not there, but I'm pretty sure everyone can hear it right now. Uh, Craig Malasso and Daddy Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, talking baseball. While we were away, and got to admit it, uh, Danny needed another beer, so I walked with him, and uh, and uh, I said, well, let me have one, too. So uh, That was awfully nice of you. I just don't want it to go to waste, you know? We all got our... Well, but while we're away, uh, Arkansas State hit a tremendous bomb, and here we go. Why don't you get a little louder for us, Train? Let everybody know that you're here. So, but where were we? At last, we went off on on the culture at Georgia State and what what they have the ability to do there. Um, what's next for you guys? We talked a little ULM. Meaningless game, which I hate to say because. Uh, but it is. It is. And maybe the better way to put it is an exhibition because, in ULM's case, they're trying for back to back winning seasons. That's not something they've had since I think 08 and 09. So I would expect them to give their regulars at least a little bit of time and then, kind of like Texas State did last night against you Celebrate guys, their seniors. You get them on base, you get them the curtain call unofficially, you can get a lot of different pitchers some work. I think Brad told us, Brad Freeman, the voice of Texas State baseball said that there were 17 different pitchers that threw. I think there were 49 different guys that played, which is extremely, <laughs> extremely high. A lot of a lot of crossouts in the scorebook and a lot of guys that you need to put into your well in your box. But Brand went Brant went through and he did an extra couple of columns in yeah. there. I mean he had to to help break it up. But I think it's it's it goes back to a lot of what we talked about on our podcast on Inside Eagle Nation on Monday night with Jay, with Mike, with Brant, with Josh, and Colin. You can catch Inside Eagle Nation yes. each Tuesday on gseagles.com. You can go to the Fan Zone tab. There is a special section on our website for the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. You can also listen to it on Stitcher, iTunes, iHeart, and any other way you may receive your podcast. Is there a but link in, uh, on Facebook also? We post a link every th- Tuesday. Yes. We do post a link every Tuesday. But the crux of what we were talking about in regards to that was if you have a game that may at face value not mean anything you got to find a way to give meaning to it for ULM it's that very thing looking for a winning season for seniors looking for one final go to have some success go out on a good note maybe a final at bat you hit a home run you get a double you get on base you get the curtain call if you're a pitcher get one more time to face somebody and then for Georgia Southern you just don't want to cool the engines too much because you've got a semifinal game that you've got to get ready for the very next night against either the Cajuns or Appalachian State so if you're a hitter that gets a couple of at bats as a starter you want to stay in rhythm you want to stay 
geared in. You want to make sure you're seeing what you're supposed to see, putting the ball where you need to put the ball. If you're a pitcher, the same way. And if you're a guy off the bench that's going to get a couple of at-bats, play some defense for a few innings, show why you deserve a chance to do something in the semis or in the championship where otherwise you may not have been looked at. So I think that you have to find meaning in some way with a game that isn't going to matter for either team. Make it matter. Is this? Am, am I reading... Uh, not too much or not enough, but at the same time, I'm just—I don't know why this just kind of hit me. But is baseball a game that you don't see a whole lot of seniors, just because of the nature of the beast, where you, you've yeah, got—I so. mean, where you've got the draft that can poach them uh, that are good, or you get a guy that's been there that maybe hasn't had a whole lot of playing time. Usually, they're gone. They don't make it to their senior year. There are such things as late bloomers. And a lot of times, seniors that decide to turn pro, they have no leverage draft-wise, which right. what a lot of teams have done for about 10 years now, they'll take seniors in the top 10 rounds, sign them below slot so they can save that money for first, second-round guys. Yep. And that's a practice that has been more prominent over the years. But if you're a junior and you're at the top of what you think your production can be, you may as well test the waters. You may not get what you want, but at the same time, if you feel that that's as good as you're just going to get, if you want to make your money, you want to try to see what you can do there because you're at your best, then who's to say that you can't do that? It's, it, at that point, you become a pro, and you're not a college player anymore. Well, and, and that's why I was uh, prime example, uh, Colton Schmidt for us, Sunbelt Pitcher of the Year, but stayed for his senior year and uh, various reasons, but... If he would have been drafted as a junior, he would have at least made $100,000. But because he was a senior, they signed him for $1,000. Highly unlikely that seniors get a lot of money. Right. It's just how it is because they don't have any leverage. They cannot go back unless for some reason you'd be a graduate guy. In that instance, scouts would look at you as a junior and not a senior, even though academically you may be a class or two higher. So that's, that's a process that there's, there's no way to do it where you're going to make everybody happy. But for each individual player, you've got to gauge where you are if you want to turn pro or if you want that degree and then you want to try to turn pro to see what you can make out of a career out of a couple of years. Maybe you can be one of those that slips through the cracks and finds a way to get to the double-A, triple-A, maybe even get a cup of coffee in the bigs. But there, there's no two stories that are the same. And from our standpoint, as because even though I'm a radio guy, I'm a fan. Once a guy leaves Georgia Southern, I become a fan of him. Somebody like a Seth Schumann, a Chase Cohen, that's trying to navigate their way through minor league baseball, ultimately to get a shot at the big leagues. And they're not going to be similar. Chase is in double-A right now with the athletics. He's with the Midland Rockhounds. Schumann also in the athletic system. He's with Lansing. We talked about him already. Sam Howard is somebody that pitched for Georgia Southern before the Eagles went to the Sun Belt, but he's been in the Pirates' bullpen for the last two years. Well, let me ask you this, because I find that I'm going to – and I'm get off my lawn, but kids today tend to follow players, especially in the NBA, more so than than, than anything else. They're not team guys. When we grew up, you know, Reds fan, Pirates fan, that's that's what you did. You followed your team. But uh, do you think, I, in my opinion, that minor league baseball gives us that opportunity to, to follow the player because you know there's not there's so many minor league teams and, and there's so many. I mean, they're not all playing against each other, so there's so many levels of mine. It gives you that opportunity as an as an older fan for me to feel good about watching that player develop and everything like that. I mean, do you think that's 
a valid point, or am I just am I being a grumpy old man? Well, well you are a grumpy old man. But there's people that do enjoy baseball just for the sake of baseball. There's people that live in towns with professional teams that simply enjoy going for the sake of it's outside. It's something yep. to do. You may live in an area where there's not a whole lot of extracurricular activities or ways to spend time during the summer, and they didn't get that last year because the minor league season was canceled. But in the case of somebody that's a baseball junkie, People will travel all across the country to see some of baseball's top prospects at their earliest levels to see where they are, how they develop, and then they can say, oh, I remember him when. I saw him here. I shook his hand here. He signed a baseball for me here. And it's creating that experience that people are going to remember for the rest of their lives. Which which, which I think is awesome because I, I love the atmosphere going to a minor league baseball park. It's, it's different, but at the same time, uh, you know, both this year and last year, the start of baseball season, the first 30 days, I probably watch not all, but probably parts of, of about 65 different baseball games because I'm that junkie. Even though I love the Reds, I'm, I'm, I, I saw guys that I've, I've heard about, but to see them play, you know, even though it's on TV, but it's live, to see them make the plays that they do, you realize how athletic these guys are, you know, moving forward. And, and it's fun, and you can catch a lot of that. I think the one thing that's, if there's something good about, uh, Cutting down with the number of minor league baseball teams, uh, I think that is that that I think all the games are now on, on some type of streaming service. At Just least. about all of them now through MILB TV, yep. which is a really good thing. That well, now minor league baseball is under the auspices of Major League Baseball with the yep. reorganization of the amateur system. But something that I've thought about that a lot of people expect: oh, once you get to Triple A, you're going to go to the bigs. That's not always true. No, but not the last ten years. A lot of times you can go from double A right to Major League Baseball because there's not as much of a jump as somebody that played at Texas State, Paul Goldschmidt, jumped right from the Diamondbacks, double A, to the Bigs. I know he's with the Cardinals now, and he is a perennial all-star and one of the best first basemen in all of Major League Baseball. And I'm, I'm having a total brain fart right now with the second baseman for the Reds. Another uh, Jonathan India. Yeah. Indy. Florida. I mean, Yeah. Again, double-A guy that went straight through. I think it's a lot of times I think it's easier because, you know, we have one guy uh, that, that played for us one year, Chase Lamb, I think holds the record for minor league games without making it to the uh, big leagues. And now he's a hitting coach in the Ra Rangers organization. So, And with some of those systems not wanting to spend a boatload of money, a lot of it can determine where a major league team is stationed, whether you're at home or on the road, and some of those affiliates are closer to that destination than what another spot oh, that's really nice my head goodness. to the wall in foul territory and right. Great play by J.D. Wadley to finish up the inning. We both started turning our heads, and, yeah. and Danny's the professional. He, he keeps talking. I, I, I go silent going, what's going on so here? Carlos Tavares now through five one-hit innings for Arlington. The only hit he gave up was a Tyler Duncan home run. Oh. But in, in, in the case of promoting guys, you may be on the road, or our affiliate's closer, so let's bring this guy if we need a roster slot, or if we give somebody deserving in AAA. Every organization does think differently. So what do you, what do you think is the right thing? Because I know... Uh, and maybe it's the AAA team closer to, to the Major League team, but I think he gives uh, fans the opportunity of a team uh, to see their players coming up. Uh, you know, if you're a Cubs fan or, or a Pirates fan and there's a team out in Colorado uh, or, or Utah, you're able to see, you're able to, I think that's good promotion for your team even though you're, you're a Cubs fan. But at the same time, you want that guy that's going to jump 
that, that's got the opportunity to play in the major leagues, you want him closer to your venue. And that happened to, uh, oh gosh, uh, Brad, Brad, uh, Brad knows him. Brad, Brad coached him, uh, played for the Washington. But Brad thought he had dropped down to double-A, but it was one of those things that they brought him closer. They knew they needed him yeah. because someone was going on the IR, and, uh, and he was able uh, – Andrew Stevenson. He was able – and then then now has, has been a, a pretty much mainstay with, with, the, with the Nationals and made the uh, World Series team. So And for those teams, especially at the lower levels of minor league baseball, if you can get a rehab assignment, you're going to get immediate national exposure yeah. because ESPN – Everybody wants to know how XYZ guy is going to do in the couple of games that he has to play in Kannapolis, North Carolina, yeah. or Augusta, Georgia, somewhere like that where they probably wouldn't visit if it wasn't to have to go there to rehab for a little while. Well, and it's funny you bring that up, the rehab spot, because uh, I'm, I follow the Palm Beach Cardinals because Todd Lott, Todd Lott yeah. is, is on the Palm Beach Cardinals. And, and I get their Twitter feed, and they're going like, okay, finally a night, after three nights in a row, they had major league guys that were on assignments there. For, I think I think it was a Braves team or something like that. And no, they was, faced DeGrom. Okay. Oh. DeGrom went three innings, struck out okay. eight. Okay, well, good. But there they were two <laughs> other guys. Uh, there were two other guys there that were, that were there on assignment, and they both got the start also, and they're going like, okay. I'm going to have to go look at it up and see what – I mean, I, I, I know DeGrom went – pitched well, but I'm curious of what Todd did. And did I think against he just got back up, I want to say yesterday, he made his return. I can't okay. remember who they played, but I think whatever he did, he was right back and where he usually is. Not getting any run support, yeah. but I think he actually won. And then Jonathan Lucroy is on a, uh, on assignment over in Gwinnett uh, to be uh, signed by the Braves as a, as a backup catcher, and he right. was trying to get some bats in before he was called up because the Braves had some uh, issue with catchers as far as injury. So I'm not a Braves fan, but yeah. being in market and you're seeing gonna, it a lot. They've had a boatload of injuries. Tyler Flowers, a catcher that they've gone back and forth with for a number of years. He just retired after 13 years. But they've unfortunately had some injury issues, and it's kept them from getting to their peak. But over the course of 162 games, there's going to be a lot more valleys than peaks. Exactly. And you have to find a way to make the peaks happen at the right time. And they've won three straight East Division titles. So what Snitker has done has been more good than bad, and that's what they've needed after Freddie Gonzalez was let go a couple of years ago. Well, you know, it's similar to what you said about being in market. Uh, I, the closest team to us is the Astros, which I can't stand because at That's one time. It's hard to think that your closest team is Houston, but I guess yeah. that'd be right. But we're, we're blacked out for their games on MOB but, yeah. and the Rangers game. technically in their market. Yeah. For instance, if we wanted to watch Braves games, get them on local TV, yeah. you wouldn't find them on MLB TV. But being a Pirates fan, I can watch all of their games that aren't against the Braves in Atlanta yeah. because I've got Valley Sports. I can just turn yep. right on. But that's the thing, though. It, it, what drives me nuts is they're four hours away. It's not like I'm driving over there. And I understand they want you to get on the local station that, that provides for your cable TV. Uh, but at the same time, and that was that was one of the great things about being in Indianapolis. Our Fox affiliate was Fox Ohio, so I got all the Reds games. for. I didn't have to buy the MLB package. Oh, you got your pick up there. Yeah. You do whatever you want to up there. So it... Well, I tell you... Uh, Arlington's really swinging. They are swinging the bat pretty doggone good right now. I'll give credit to Will Nash because he's at least calmed this down over yeah. the last oh. three and three innings plus. But the six-run first is uh, unless Tavera gets out of the game, I'm not exactly sure how Arkansas State's going to overcome that. Do you think he waited too long to pull him? I mean, six runs I is a no. lot. No, I, I think that. I think you have to. 
because then you go, do I pull him too early? Then you're wasting yeah. everybody else. You have to give him a chance to at least get out of the first inning. But once it got to, I think it was a point, it was six runs on five hits. Yeah. You go to Nash, you get that final out. He's been good since. And I mean, from an Arkansas State perspective, yeah, you want to come back and win, but then you're thinking, okay, we're in the semis now. We don't have to play tomorrow. Yeah. What do we do on Saturday? But that's a problem that they want to have if they can rally. But they've got a long way to go, especially with Arlington having two guys on well, and nobody out in the fifth. That's the whole thing with it all is that you, uh, you know, that that's a problem you want to have is what, what 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 do you do on Saturday? What do you do on Sunday? Because ultimately, that's why every team is here is to play for a championship. Yeah. And how you use your pitching depth. Some someone that does it one way, somebody else will do it another way. It, it, it depends on what you think you can do in order to find your 27 outs. Because everybody needs to get 27 somehow. Unless you get to the champ. Well, before the championship, you can run roll somebody, which is awesome anyway. But at the same time, oh. and there's nobody to cover. Oh, that's a nice play. Oh, that's, that's a, a nice great play, play by, by the Nash. pitcher. A little bit of a boot at first from Toller, but Nash went over to cover. That's a really nice play. He probably should have been safe, but... He, and I, I thought I thought he got off the round a little late. I didn't think he was going to get there in time. But yeah, because I, I think in his mind, Toller was going to go to second base. Yes. But once he booted it, he didn't have a chance to throw there, so he had to get over to cover. At least they got that first out. Well, strictly from a uh, Cajuns fan on on, on this uh, right now, I'm hoping UTA can tack on two more runs here and go up eight to one. It's uh, uh, in the bottom of the fifth. So if that happens, uh, a couple runs closer to the ten run rule and getting this game over hopefully in time. I, in your case, I wouldn't necessarily be worried about when you play. I would be worried about these two teams exhausting pitching and going long. Look, I know that you, it want, you want it to be a little bit timely, but at the same time, even though they're on the other side of the bracket, you wouldn't see either of these teams. Well, until Sunday. Unless it got to Sunday, but you'd have to go through George Southern to get there if you beat App tonight. Right, and, and all of that goes, um, to me, if, if it's UTA, they're playing four games in a row. I think they're going to exhaust their pitching. Well, to and, a degree, and, that's that's an extended weekend series. Yes. It, they, it, and they played quite a few four-game series this year anyway. They played Houston in four. They had yes. a four-game against Corpus Christi that got called off. But yep. they are accustomed to doing this. I think they had Lamar for a four-game series you are correct. earlier this year. And, you know, and I tell you, uh, I don't think we play Coastal in baseball next year. I'm hoping they're uh, – they're, which is a disappointment because I was hoping for that four-game series where we had that Monday game. I asked Tony for years, Coach Robichaud, for years – do one of your game weekday games at that at that at at that noon one o'clock. Let's get let's get some things rolling there. The only reason you saw so many Monday games this year is because the NCAA allowed it because of COVID issues trying to back up series to get them in. Otherwise, you wouldn't see Monday games. So is that a rule? That, is, that was a rule that was approved for this year. You no, but, see I mean, that but before that, okay. So oh. yeah, Monday games are only allowed in extremely extremely difficult circumstances. Okay. But this year that was waived, so series have a shot to get in. What about a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Oh, those are fine. So, those are fine. But, but Monday is looked at almost universally in college baseball as the off day. Because right. Once oh, you're in, yes. Once you're in school, you've right. got to have that one off day. Okay. You could play Tuesday, play Wednesday, right. travel Thursday if you need to, then play Friday through Sunday. And, the, and Tone, Coach Robichaud and Coach Diggs both talked a lot about that, that how if you are if you have a Tuesday and a Wednesday night game, you have to give the players off. Correct. So you're coming off, let's say you're going to Texas State, which is six hours, seven hours away, and then all of a sudden you're getting back at, at – your you know, early in the morning, you have to give them off that Monday, and then you're playing Tuesday. When you don't now, have the time to develop, and, I guess. Well, that's why school's in session. If you've got an instance now where school's right. done, then you can go every day. There's no restriction. Okay. 
Well, I want to do one more uh, little segment here, and and however long it goes, it goes. But I want to talk to you about which uh, uh, one of our uh, writers, Kevin Foote, who writes for The Advocate, also has a a show on 103.7 The Game. Little little plug for those guys over there at 103.7 The Game, which you can hear me on on Tuesday mornings on uh, Kevin's show for, for, for about 35 minutes talking baseball with Kevin. Uh, this may be the last show this Tuesday, or I'm hoping that we continue on talking Major League Baseball with Kevin because I have fun. Uh, but one of the things he brings up is sports hatred. Let's talk about sports hatred here for a second. This is how you want to end? Yes, I do, because I think, I don't mean, because hatred is such a, a word that I think defines some things, but I want to talk about what it does for the game. Do you think it's good that you and Georgia State don't get along, yes, I guess? Yes, absolutely. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. As long as you're not taking it too far. If, if it was too much hugs and hand pounds, then there would be any reason to have an intense rivalry. Kevin Foote, it drives him nuts, in which I, to a certain extent, I agree to him. After a football game, that Drew Brees is going to hug Matt Ryan. You know, you know. I know, but, you know, it's not, but, but, well. When the whistle blows, you right. play. When the whistle stops, when the game's over. All right, so people. when the game, but you okay with him going up to, to Matt before the game, saying yeah, hello? Sure. As long as it's not one of these ten-minute conversations, as long as it's a fist pound, yeah. a quick oh, yeah, how, yeah. What, how you doing? How's your family? Whatever. Yeah. Because these guys know each other. They see each other. They train together a lot of times. I agree. They go to each other's camps. They're seeing each other in the off season. You don't want to. You want to get reasonably close, but not too close, where you wouldn't lose an edge. Right. But what makes sports great is the fact that rivalries contain animosity and intensity. And that's where I think, uh, in, in rivalry, rival, oh man, that beer's starting. Rival, rivalry, rivalry. <laughs> Sound it out. Uh, or I think it's probably a better word than, than hatred. But I think, I think, I think what hate, the, the word hatred does is brings out a little bit more intensity. But so let's take Georgia State out of it. Where where is that next? App State. App State. And for a oh. lot of Georgia Southern's people, it is App State. Right. They don't want to consider Georgia State as a rival, but unfortunately, it is a rivalry. Nobody wants to admit it, but it is. It is. Well, and for us, for years, in, in uh, which I sent the video out a couple times, uh, it, for us, it was South Alabama, especially in baseball. They didn't have a football well, ball program. That's the best baseball rivalry in the league. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think it's, it's lost a little bit of that edge, but I think this... This past year, I think because we're dealing with a Sun Belt whose most successful team, as we sit here in Montgomery, has 32 wins, and we're in the tournament. Usually, one or two have 40 wins, but it's been a season where everybody's been kind of up and down, putting a schedule together, figuring out how you can deal with COVID, and everybody trying to do the same thing while at the same time not do the same thing because you want to set yourself apart. It's just been a weird year. We're going to get one team. It's whoever wins the tournament yes. on Sunday. We know that. But ultimately, we're going to get back to a point where multiple teams are going to go to the tournament from this conference. We're going to get there. I agree. And I, I like what happened in softball uh, with, with four, four teams. teams. That's awesome. Which, which, That's is awesome. A, which is a Sunbelt record. I did not think they – I just thought the NCAA wouldn't do it. Uh, but I think it was awesome that they did. And I love the fact – and each of them won a game, you know. That's and, right. And, and, and the Cajuns were the only one that beat a top eight seed out of all of them. But still, and they each won a game and didn't I – I, I don't want to use the word embarrassed because they got there. Well, the Cajuns about rallied in that second game yeah. against LSU, too. If that ball that got hit to the track and left goes out, 
If that ends up being a home run, who yeah. knows how much different that would have been. If, and, and look, I watched Summer Ellis, and then I, the first time I'd ever watched her, and yeah. they, the, the conversation was about how much she had meant to the Cajuns and yep. how good her career was. I'm admittedly not much of a softball junkie. Yeah, no, but, but but you're, you're traveling with baseball. It's but not at the same time, I hear about it from yeah. you guys. I see it on Twitter because what the streak of Sunbelt victories, yep. or Sunbelt Series victories is 60-some in a row. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's insane, it's a, the kind of program, from Lotif to Glasgow and just how much good has been done there with that program. Well, we go back to Yvette Girard that started the program with, with her mom, and they actually took old volleyball uniforms or basketball uniforms to make the uniforms for the softball team. All right, that's cool. She was on a city, she was on a city park field before they were able to build uh, the facility at Bourgeois Hall. And I remember going about 83, 84. Back then, they were right across from our fraternity house. And some of the guys on our, in our fraternity dated several of the girls on the softball team. And one of them actually uh, married uh, a softball player, uh, Zach LaFleur. Zach LaFleur, who was on our team a couple years ago. playing center. Speedster, I remember him. His mom was uh, Janine Johnson, who was the third baseman when Stephanie Lotif pitched. Nice. And his dad, his dad uh, Jamie, is a, is a is a fraternity brother of mine and a close friend. So you know, it's one of those things that we we went back. I remember sitting in those bleachers. Same thing in baseball. I remember sitting in the bleachers. Everybody sees the the Teague and Russo Park now, but it, when I started, it was those wooden bleachers that when you slid across them, the sun beat down on them so hard that splinter got in your butt, and it wasn't fun. But we loved it. So. I just know that softball-wise, George Southern is going through a transition. Head coach Kim Dean stepped down, and I know how difficult it's been for the Eagles to have success in the league, especially against the Cajuns. But Sharon Perkins was just announced a couple of days ago. Okay. Somebody that was the head coach at Georgia Tech has been working in high school and travel ball the last few years, and I think that that's the kind of pedigree that is necessary for Georgia Southern to get to the top half of the league in terms of softball. They've been in the tournament. They've been fine. Had a six-game yep. conference winning streak to end this past season. but. They are not where they want to be, and hopefully this can help them take that next step. Well, I, I am hoping that all the teams see that with four teams getting in uh, and a record number of teams, I'm, I don't expect us to get six teams. I doubt if we'll ever get five teams, but at the same time, if everyone can step up those games, I would agree. Then, then the Cajuns or South Alabama or Troy or Texas State gets to host a regional, yeah. and that's the first step becoming uh, a, a great league again. Uh, with all of that, because too many times it's been it's been it's been the Cajuns that have been able to host a regional or a super regional, and the other teams uh, haven't been seen. Now, Becky Clark at South Alabama has done a good good job, uh, which took a step back up this year. Quite honestly, they've taken a step back for a couple of years. Texas State is has been uh, uh, you know one of those teams that that have been pretty consistent. And honestly, uh, I had this conversation with Brant Freeman. It's always fun to go to San Marcos because. One thing that Lafayette is, uh, great food in Lafayette. Barbecue sucks until recently. And unless you go to now, Chops, uh, uh, Chops Barbecue there on uh, South College. I'll give them a shout out. Uh, great, great people, great, great uh, Cajun supporters that own the place and, uh, and part, of, part of their proceeds uh, help fund the Cajuns. So go support them. If when you go to San Marcos, you do not go to Black's Barbecue, it's your own fault. Black's, okay. Usually Jay and I head over to the Salt Lick. I'm a big Salt Lick fan from I've when I've been. I've heard more than enough. Eventually we're going to get there. But if you're staying in San Marcos, yep. can't leave San Marcos. I know Lockhart's yep. not too far away. That's the barbecue capital with Christ Market and Smitty's and all that. But if you're in San Marcos and you don't go to Blacks, it's okay. your own fault. 
Well, that's we're going to have to start doing a uh, uh, a podcast on food, where to eat, <laughs> on the way around the Sun Belt. All, all, all day long. So, hey, Danny, thank you so much. You got maybe it, man. We'll come back on a little later, maybe sometime this week. And, uh, hopefully we'll still be here. Hopefully we're both here, and, uh, and hopefully uh, the, the, the Cajuns are playing the Eagles on Saturday. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season, except for Saturday. <laughs> you got it, man. Thanks for having me. Unless you're not playing us. <laughs> so, Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, thank you. Thanks again. I'm Craig Malonsom. Josh Jagno should be here hopefully some tonight, and maybe we can get him up here and, and, and talk a little baseball too. Although we are, uh, it is in the top of the six, still 6 1 UTA. Weren't able to push any runs across. So we'll see what happens. Thanks, guys, and hope you enjoyed this. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.